0: Welcome to the Tell Janice Radio Show, where you will hear inspiring stories about life, love, and labor from amazing women to help lift you up.
1: Now, here's your host, Janice. Thanks very much, and welcome to the show. I'm so happy that you're listening, and I'm sure you're going to learn a lot from our guest today. But before we get started, I wanted to remind you that if you know of a fabulous female that you would like me to give a shout-out to with a few words of encouragement, acknowledgement, or congratulations, please let me know their names by clicking on the link at telljanice.com. My guest today is Susan Winter at SusanWinter.net. I'm so excited to have her on the show today. She's calling today from New York City, and she's a best-feeling author relationship expert who specializes in today's evolving forms of loving partnership. Susan writes, speaks, and coaches on all forms of romantic connection, from cutting-edge partnership models to traditional relationship challenges. i followed her on Facebook now for some time. I sure wish I did a few years ago, going through the, the mishaps of dating over the last six years. I'm excited again to have her on the show. Welcome, Susan.
2: Hello, Janice. How are you today?
1: I'm doing great. And again, um, we're really happy to have you on the show today. And to get started, we'd like to have our guests um, tell a little bit about themselves. Can you start with that?
2: Certainly. Um, I did not intend to be in this field, Janice. And I didn't even know that I could write, let alone have you know a, a publisher back me and have an international bestseller. This is a late life career, but you know it's wonderful. Sometimes every step in life is actually guiding us to where we should be, and we needed all those other careers to take us to where our ultimate destination is to give our greatest contribution. I started in New York as an opera singer and then loved the music, hated the lifestyle. I went into corporate. I worked as a spokeswoman for half of the Fortune 500, took a break, decided to be a consultant, built a home on a golf course, played golf, had a good time, I had my own show on what is now CNBC. It was called Financial News Network. And I happened to be in in a rural community escaping the crime of New York, building my dream home, and met a lovely young man at my gym that I kept running into who happened to be 20 years younger. No problem dating younger men. I'd had a boyfriend 16 years younger. But this particular man in this particular location at this particular time had all sorts of things kick up around society and their impression of what this was. And it was very obvious after seven years of being together that really something had to be said. There will be times that we fall in love with somebody that doesn't look appropriate to the outside world, and their judgment and condemnation can really harm a couple. So it was just uh, something that had to be said. Never thought I'd stay in this field, but I'm so glad that I have.
1: Well, I'm so glad that you are too. I really honestly have learned a lot just watching your um, YouTube videos on Facebook. And I noticed that your first book was um, titled Older Women, Younger Men. Was that relationship what prompted you to write about that?
2: Absolutely. I mean, the hatred in my community, Janice, I knew this was an hour outside of New York, and I knew this was mid-90s, but I thought I was in the 1800s in Appalachia. I mean, it's not that far, an hour from New York City, but the stories and the gossip, and what happened is I, you know, I, it took me so much courage to just leave my house and get groceries. The stories Mm -hmm. that were told were so wild that people were afraid of me. Some cashiers in the local supermarket wouldn't wait on me. They were afraid I was a witch. It was just insane. And when your life is more dramatic than the wildest movie and you realize you're in the middle of it, there's another part of you that realizes, okay, not for nothing, but I bet something is supposed to become of this because this is so extraordinary. This is so extreme that it's a a key that tells you that if I'm going through this, maybe I can help somebody else. And that's the great liberation. You know, whether we have a challenge in health, whether we have a challenge in relationships, um, something uh, prompts us to speak up for an injustice or create a clarification for social consciousness to advance all of us forward. You know, greater inclusion, greater tolerance. Um, and that was my beginning. I didn't mean to stay in older women, younger men. When I was done with this, oh, the media was amazing. It, um I, I thought it was normal. You get a call. You have to be on the Today Show the next day. I thought it was normal. Oprah holds your hand and sends for you from New York. And, you know, I, I just thought wow. this was normal. I didn't know because I didn't have a publicist. I didn't have a website. I didn't have a listed number. I didn't do anything. Um, but then you know that you've stepped into what you're supposed to do because all the forces kind of unite with you to help you do this activity. And then once I realized that that communication had been stated, that I'd said my piece, that society had shifted their consciousness just a little bit. Uh, I moved on to other topics because for me, when I'm done with something, I'll still work in that field, but I like to keep growing. So then I looked at all these people dating nowadays. I've never seen such chaos and drama. (laughs) It's just unbelievable. So I really had to go out. I dated um, players. I'd always had long-term committed, you know, monogamous relationships. I thought... I can't help my girlfriends. They're, you know, they're having sex right away. I can't tell them to stop. They're not going to listen to me. I've got to put myself in their shoes, go out with the same kinds of guys, even worse, and see if my theory that meeting a dignified, self-possessed love and a confident person, I knew the outcome. I knew that I'd get dumped. Of course, that's what they do. But I thought, can I alter the factors in between? And conclusively, I came up with the same repetitive understanding, player after player, that when you show up and they see who you are, they will have something to grab onto. That's the emotional Velcro. Otherwise, every woman, every guy is the same. Somebody has to show up and be real, and that's when everything changes. So I've done a lot of research with this with my own life, and I just love trying to make simple this ridiculous situation that people find themselves in. And um, I've never thought I'd be good at game because I'm not a game player, but I understand human nature. So the videos that you see, all I'm trying to do is make it clear to people. Most people, Janice, are on target. Most people come to me and say, I don't know what I'm doing. And actually, they do. They do know what they're doing. They've just been given bad advice from the outside world. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, what, let's get back to that you mentioned game playing, and I'm kind of curious because I, I, again, some of what you've said, I have so many questions here, but um, what about game playing? I mean, what there are certain techniques in, for example, you have your first date, who texts first? I think you, you addressed one of those in one of your videos. How would you address that?
2: Yeah. Well, okay, so I've just got a video coming out this Friday, and it's funny that you say that, and it's about when playing cool backfires. You know, first of all, games are only played because people are fearful and insecure. Nobody playing a game feels confident enough to just say, I like you. I'd like to get to know you better. It's that simple. So when you have an entire society that is afraid to say what they feel and be honest and direct, you are going to get games. And the thing about getting on a game board is you know if you're a regular person meeting somebody and suddenly you feel reactive, it's because they've done a move to push, to push you to something, to either push you to miss them or push you to wonder or push you so you're no, you're no longer in control of your own emotions. Um, I, you know, I think it's rather simple, Janice. You know, um, I like you, you like me. Let's see where this goes. It, those seem like very rational um, foundations to begin a connection. I, I had heard, you know, one of my players said to me, he calls me on the phone uh, two nights after our first date. Oh, no, maybe the next day after our first date. And he said, I know I shouldn't call you. I know about the two-day rule. And I said to him, what's the two-day rule? He said, oh, you're not <laughs> supposed to call the girl for two days. You're not supposed to contact them. Now it's become one week. And I'll be with a guy who's a friend of mine who's a millennial, and he'll be getting text messages from his guy friend saying, I really, really like this girl. Dude, what do I do? I wait a week, right? And he, because the young guy's with me, I said, no, tell him to tell her right now. I had a great time. Love to see you again. That puts the ball in her court, no pressure. And he's like, no, no, I can't do that. She's going to think I'm stalking her. And so people have gotten so crazy. You know, so the whole thing is I don't dare show you what I feel because you'll think I'm weak and needy and desperate, and that will turn you off. But the truth is that we're attracted to people who like us. And, true. you know, you have – somebody has to have the courage to say, I, mean, I had a good time. I'd like to see you again. Text, text her back. You know, you and I both know women, right? If you go out on a date with a guy and it's a day and a half later and you don't hear from him, you are so mad at that guy that yeah. even if he – contacts you three days later you already have points against him so now he's got to recover and here's the funny thing he thinks he's being cool he is following the instructions that his idiot friends have given him and, you know so nobody's listening to the right information the the impulse they get inside themselves oh, i want to call her i really like this girl wouldn't that be wonderful if they actually told her oh but no no we don't dare tell her that so we're going to do the opposite that's a game that's the part that kills me. Mhm. Yeah,
1: that that is just it's remarkable to me that we have to go through such game playing to and why can't you just say, "Hey, I like you, you like me and let's see where this goes," like you said. Um I also like that you approach you approach it really methodically and um as as I've read about you, you do it with self-esteem and personal empowerment, and I think in the dating scene, that's what we need. We need to keep our oh, self-esteem yes. and personal empowerment because once you lose that, I found in my experience, it's it just gets to be messier.
2: Oh, absolutely, Janice. you're so right. The number one question people write me, and now you know with all these social media platforms, it's like you're you're fielding like 20 questions. I try and answer all of them, but most of it is. What's he thinking? What did she do? Mm -hmm. What does she want? And, you know, wouldn't it be wonderful to write back or contact, instead of me, like you think I'm a mind reader, what does he want? I keep saying, we don't care what he wants. What do you want? You tell him what you want. Then he's got a choice. I don't know, because we're trying to be what they want. We're trying to guess what they want. We want them to like us, but we don't even know if we like them. It's so... It has gotten so far from natural. It is so many miles from doable that no wonder it is such a mess. And in my dating life, knowing that men – well, the one thing women don't know about men is how much they want us to love them and appreciate them. And they never want to appear to be weak or needy. So men will continually shoot themselves in the foot by trying to play it cool because they've been told that that's what they should do. Like, don't let her know how much you like her. I mean, yes, you cannot be chasing her, and if you've got to pick up cues if she's not responding to you. But I used to start off right away when I'd see somebody and we'd have a conversation, I'd look them in the eye and say, I like you. And I'd list a couple qualities that I picked up that are actually true. You know, you're very bright, you're driven, and I admire that. The guy's got a green light. Oh, Susan likes me. Our job as females is to give them a green, steady green light that says go. Okay? But we, out of fear, oftentimes give them a, a red stop sign. And men are terrified. So it's Everybody just has to tell the truth. And and, they, and they're so afraid, too, Janice. They think, oh, mm-hmm. if I let you know I like you, then I'm giving up power. No, it's actually very powerful to admit I like you. What does that mean? It doesn't mean I have to marry you. It doesn't mean I'm going to move into your apartment and never leave. It just means I like you. That's it.
1: Yeah, I agree with the green light. I mean, if we can get the fear out of there and fear of, of appearing needy and giving that green light to someone who who you do like. Now, what, how would you advise our listeners to, if you don't really connect with that person? How would you handle that situation?
2: Uh, this is always delicate. Women belabor this. Janice, men don't. They'll either ghost you or just never call you back or tell you they're busy but women feel terrible guilt over turning somebody down because we're so emotionally cued into other people. You know, if you have the courage and you think the man can handle it, say, you know, I don't think we're going in the same direction. I'm not feeling the vibe. If that feels terribly uncomfortable to you, just pull out the old, I'm getting back with my ex, whatever, or I've met somebody new. Men simply need to know yes or no. Do I proceed Mm -hmm. or do I not? And it is our discomfort in hurting people, in the upshot of if we say no to somebody, are they going to freak out? It. I've had men absolutely freak out when I've said I'm sorry I don't see this. I mean, like tear me down. I mean, it's their insecurity, but I listen to it going, oh my gosh, no wonder people don't tell the truth. You know? <laughs> right. Most people want to know where they stand. Just think very basic, very simple, and that should give you the answer. If you weren't If you weren't concerned about editing yourself and yet you're still being kind of diplomatic, that's normally the best tool. People want to know, women want to know, hey, are you looking for a hookup? Are you even open to the idea of a relationship? Um, And also, I'm a big, firm believer in stating what you want from the very beginning. I have a lot of um, colleagues that like this vague, blank canvas kind of approach, just be smiling and nodding your head and don't tell him anything about yourself. And that definitely works as lure, but you are going to have a man superimposing what he wants on you. And at some point, you have to come out of the bag and be yourself. So if there are young gals that I know that want marriage, I tell them, state it in your profile. Tell the guy when you first meet him, you know, I'm actually looking for a life partner. I'd like to have a family and kids. And they're so terrified to do it for fear the man will freak out. But guess what? If you're a man who's ready and you want that, you want to know that right away. And if you're a woman that really wants a serious relationship, you should vet these guys and make sure that you're not wasting six months sleeping with a guy who's sleeping with five other people who has no intention of getting married. So I think honesty right from the beginning is a very bright idea. I I
1: totally agree with that. Um if that if you're in that situation and you're not honest, then you're going to waste those 6 months of your dignity and your heart and everything else.
2: Absolutely.
1: Now, um one of the videos that I watched uh recently is um should you defriend them on Facebook when you break up? And you address that. Can you
2: tell our listeners yeah, what that was, your thoughts are? Uh, yeah, that was from Mashable. That was an interview from Mashable in the U.K. Um, uh, you know, technology, Janice, has changed everything, has it not? Uh, mm-hmm. Technology instead of direct communication. Listen, my feeling is if, if you've had a breakup and you are pining over your ex, it was not your idea and it was messy, I would unfollow their feed Definitely. I would not want to be seeing what they're doing. I know girls that really torture themselves, Janice, by looking at what their guy is doing and who he's going out with. And that's like, that's putting salt in the wound. You don't need to do that. Unfriending seems very immature to me. Like I understand if you're in high school or junior high school and you do that, but that seems rather extreme. You can unfriend him later on, but just get rid of the newsfeed. That would be my choice.
1: Yeah, just so it's not in your face and you're not getting uh,
2: yeah. hurt by it. I agree. Now, exactly. let's talk about
1: the social dating sites. What do you think about those?
2: You know, I personally, can I tell you, I hate online dating. Uh, and most people I know are really tired of it, and yet we have to. You can't just, uh, if you're a self, self-employed self person, you can't count on people that you meet just walking in the street. So it's a wonderful tool online dating, though, um, and all the dating apps, each is kind of – no matter, okay, say Tinder. No matter how Tinder started out, Tinder was supposed to cut you quickly to meeting. That was the technique. Instead of reading miles of profile, they know you just want to look, get some basic information, and I want to meet or not. It's the users, Janice, who shifted it to a hookup. So mm-hmm. oftentimes the users end up defining – how that app will be used. And we have new apps all the time that try to eliminate the problems that we complain about with our former apps. But online dating is, um, that's how most people date. Surprisingly, a friend of mine told me that her daughter in college, even though she's in college with so many available men, dates online. She's like, why doesn't she just go to class and talk to guys? No, she dates online. So right. it, it is the way of the future. I know it's crazy. I like in person. <laughs> I like to observe a person. It's too anonymous. I don't know that you said you are who you say you are. I don't know anything about you. I know what you want me to believe.
1: Yeah, well, I've used um, Match.com in the past and a couple others, and it's it's a mess. Again, using that word, and I got to the point where it was like interviewing. And how many
2: how many men can you
1: interview in a, a week period of time? And how can you keep it all straight? It's almost like you have to take notes. Well,
2: it's, it's a full time job. The women <laughs> that I know that have eventually gotten married, it's a second job. They'll come home to do two and three hours of online dating because the weird thing about online dating is somebody starts you in a conversation, then they fall by the wayside, and so you you get your hopes up, or they're going to meet you and they cancel. So you have all this nonsense. One uh, colleague came up with a her statistic said 27 dates before you find somebody that you actually want to stay with. So, again, do you know how many wow. times people fell off the boards before she even got to 27? That means she actually had 27 dates. Oh, wow. <laughs> so this is, this is it's, a flaky, it's a flaky technology because, again, people posture, people hide behind whatever they want to be. You, and, and then again, online dating has the seduction of – do you remember the article in Atlantic, A Million First Dates? It's like if the understanding is that there are millions of people I can contact, why would I choose one? So the idea of the grass is greener on the other side is inherent in the technological dating with these apps. Like a man has very little incentive nowadays to partner. One, sex is free. He doesn't have to be in a relationship to get it, and two he's got millions of choices, so it's changed the entire composition of what's going on
1: well i I am one of the lucky ones because it, my last interview um, brought me into the relationship that I am now, so um, I got lucky, but what I started to do was I really methodically you know wrote down the top five
2: things I was looking for
1: in somebody um Would you agree with that approach?
2: I love that. I love that. And okay, just so you help me and so you help your listeners, were those things that were inner qualities? Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. It wasn't like six feet tall and it has a home in the hands, no. hands right?
1: No, they. in fact, okay. you know, it, it wasn't that at all. I mean, there has to be attraction, I know. of course, but it was, well, to be honest with you, one of them at, at my yeah. age was that they had to be, you know, self sufficient and they had to have a job.
2: Oh, yeah. I, oh, absolutely. You don't want a startup. I know. Um, I used to listen to women's lists, and they were the same. I'd go to these classes with these young gals, and we'd hold these uh, research groups. And they'd say, okay, he's got to be six feet tall, have a sense of humor, at least six figures or more, have a house in the Hamptons. He's got to do this. And it's like there was, okay, the only interior quality was humor. And I thought, really? Really? Uh, you know, but I think what you hit on is something absolutely essential. You identified the qualities you must have. That way, your radar was set to that. And when you met somebody in an agreeable package that had those qualities, you knew you were on target. You right. might be surprised how many people have never done this fundamental work. And I keep saying in a lot of my videos, it's five minutes, five minutes of time. Get your list down. Know what you're looking for. Use that as your barometer. Don't let your eyes make you drift onto something where you'd like to superimpose those qualities, but you know they don't exist. So when you get those qualities really as fundamental must-haves, you keep driving yourself to look at that. And, you, of course, you're only going to date somebody to whom you have attraction. So right. it's it's an easy setup, and, and that's brilliant that you did that. And you had phenomenal results, Right.
1: Well, it took it took a long time. It took about six years. So, um, you know, a lot of heartbreak and and maybe on the other side, too. So um, I I learned a lot because I had gotten married young and dated and uh, married my high school sweetheart. And then um, we broke up about six or seven years ago. And so the dating world completely changed. I thought I was ready. and Oh, no,
2: no, no, no. Oh, you poor thing. (laughs) <laughs> they catapulted you into another world. You must have felt like you were in the middle of Mars. Oh, my oh goodness. yeah, I need I to watched shift. Oh, Lord. I, you know, I've watched it shift, and part of the thing about being a futurist is you can see where it's going. But I could see this back in 2003 and 2004, and I called it exactly what we've got today because it was just rampant. And, and you know, you see the, where the cycles are going, and you see where they're going to end up, and you just can't stop the machine. It's just... I think what happened is in an attempt to erase roles and, you know, known um, characters and, and scripted lines and formulaic relationship, the whole thing got blown apart, which is good. That's what has to happen for dramatic change. The problem is that nobody has created a really valid infrastructure with which to safely navigate how to date nowadays, including how technology brings people together. So what I find is that millennials and people like that, they all get their information from each other. And by the way, they don't know a whole lot. They only know the life they're experiencing. So they've thrown the baby out with the bathwater. There's some very good standard bits of information. Know what you want. Speak your truth. Come, come forward honestly. Don't play games. Call a person out if they are. Tell them what you want. They have the choice. They can participate or not. I think your rules of engagement are necessary information. It's your mission statement. Now, you can always be fooled. I understand that. But more times than not, you will find somebody who will go, yes, I want that. No, I don't want that. You know, I think I want that. Let's see. It's just so much of a better structure to come in clear.
1: Right. You mentioned, um, and I'm curious how you would define a player. You mentioned that a couple times.
2: Mm. Well, my girlfriend, who is a millennial, said, Susan, we don't call them players anymore. We just call them men. Okay. <laughs> um, a player, well, the characteristic signs that I've noted is they, they engulf you in light. They shine the light of admiration and desire upon you. You're fabulous. You're fantastic. They want you. They just melt you with this light and, and attention. And when they finally break down the walls and convince you and get you into bed, you've got about four to five more times of sleeping with them before they dump you and put you in the stable because that's all they wanted was to get you in the loop and then put you in the stable and ride you as they want. So it's a very noted hot and cold pattern. So my thing that I personally like to do is dissect every step of the pattern because I find that if people are forewarned or if where they are as clearly identified by somebody like me, they won't fear it as much. So I look at myself as like the dating Sherpa, like there's a sharp left here. And when you see the rocks go down, you know the next thing is there's a cliff. So if you tell them in advance what's going to happen, they can handle it. But, But players are just there for the game. But having done so much research with these very bad boys, I have to tell you, they are the easiest to activate in love. That cold heart I found repeatedly is terrified and frozen, and it is that kind of a heart that when you stand in front of it with unconditional love and dignity and your own boundaries but give the love anyway of the human being, not just the sexual creature, those guys make the most adoring friends and partners. They're my closest. They are my buddies now. I wouldn't trust them in a relationship at all. Believe me, because they don't have the skill set, but as a devoted friend that would do anything for me and the love and admiration we have and the love that was activated, incredible. So players are the most terrified of all participants. And knowing that because they play just the opposite, you know, so you have to understand the human nature of the person, Mm Um. It's not that they don't want to love. It's that the minute they feel it, they disconnect to protect themselves. And you cannot change who they're going to be. You can't change the stripes. All your love, all your devotion will not change who they are. That evolution is inside them if and when they're ready to engage. And they may never.
1: Right, and I I like that you mentioned and coming at it, and I can tell that, I'm just assuming that you learned this over a period of time, that if you used honesty and set the boundaries straight up, even identifying that they're players, you can kind of maneuver through that much,
2: much safer. Do you know how many few women, well, first of all, they were like at least 25 years younger than myself, no skill set for a relationship, and didn't want one. To stand in front of somebody like me who says, look, I know you're conning me. I know you're trying to get me out of the gym because you really want to go out with her tonight. I know you did this, this, and this. I choose to love you. So you're just going to have to deal with it because that's my position and that's, that's what I'm doing. And then I walk away. When you call them on every single thing and you still love them as a human being, they don't know how to process that. That's the one move on the game board they've never heard because the only move to stop game is real. Only weakness is that's the one move they can't make so it blows the entire game apart and establishes real see real trumps game every time mm-hmm.
1: very very much so and what about those listeners already in a partnership how would you advise them to keep their
2: love alive and growing oh that's a wonderful one um Continue to discover what you think you don't know about your mate because it's so easy when you're living with somebody 10, 12 years, like, oh, my God, if they open their mouth and say the same thing, I'm going to shoot myself. (laughs) You know, you get to know your partner so well. But understand that even though you're not seeing a lot of change in your partner, every moment we live life, we alter ourselves a little bit. And I would continue to discover new things with your mate and discover new things on your own that you can bring to the table. You don't want to be that couple that has nothing to say to each other at dinner. The couples that are excited are the couples who are discovering each other. So if that means you have to go off and do a pottery-making class or you're going to take a trek through the Himalayas separate from your partner and come back, you're going to have a new part of yourself that should excite them, as long as they can trust you and they're not terrified of you growing and let your partner explore new things. And don't worry, it's it's like the DNA strand. It goes out, it goes in, it goes out, it goes in. But individual growth is really necessary for a continued connection. People fear it for fear their partner will grow away from them. But if your partner doesn't grow a little bit outside of you, they will have nothing interesting to bring back to you. So continue your individual growth and exploration of life and do things actively together that you've never done before. Try new things. Right. I think those, as long as it's growing, it will stay alive.
1: Right. I I agree. I mean, just personal self growth and and having things on the side that you can do separately as well as keeping it alive um, together.
2: Absolutely, that is um, keeping very- the balance. It's mm-hmm. it's really it's really hard when you're with somebody for a long time because it, there is kind of a couple thing like we don't go out anymore Oh, every once in a while we go out, we want to be home at 10 o'clock. You get into a routine. And so it's it's a lot of work uh, to sometimes be social and do things and push yourselves. You get down to the business of life and you've achieved your coupledom. But I think it's important in that case to keep having a private life with your friends, Go away on weekends with the girlfriends. Go on um, golf trips with the guy friends. Make sure that you get your own personal edification and don't lose yourself in, in the coupledom because that oftentimes we you know just kind of close in and then we don't become interesting anymore to our partner.
1: Well, that's very, very sound advice. I appreciate that. Um, can you tell our listeners what you're up to now? You have something new coming up that I was reading about. Can you talk about that?
2: This so sweet. Um, I just released an audio booklet called Breakup Triage, The Cure for Heartache, because I wanted to try different formats. I'm way into YouTube. I just started in January, so I um, put out two videos a week on Tuesday and Friday. But I wanted another medium as well, and you can get this on Audible or iTunes or buy it off my website. But I wanted a down and dirty, here are the facts, seven steps. Listen to this audio in 34 minutes. You will have an entirely transformed perspective on this breakup that you have just gone through. And this is part one. I'll do number two uh, next year. The part one is the first hours and Days after a breakup, where you, I, I call it triage, Janice, because I feel like a field medic running out into a war zone <laughs> to try and bind off a wound because people bleed out. I've heard them on the phone; they're literally bleeding out. You've got to stop the bleeding emotionally, so that you can stabilize the person long before healing is going to happen. This is first; these are the first actions to take, and I, I walk the the listener through seven fundamental steps one is clarifying to the best of your ability what happened many people don't know what happened I don't know you've just got to find an answer it's temporary but we just need one. that's that's the first way to go uh, to to um, solidify this um, bleeding out process then I go over the different myths about a partner the perfect partner the one and only partner the bad partner And um, then I talk about where love actually comes from. And love can only come from us. The love we think we're getting from our mate never actually came from our mate. Yes, we felt it, but it came from us. And so it it turns absolutely gives the person um, self-esteem and hope, which they need in that crucial time period. And I think there's no way you can be a good relationship expert and help people get in if you don't have a pretty good exit strategy as well.
1: Oh, I like that you said it that way as an exit strategy. And I've also read about your breakup triage, that it's a first aid kit. That's a perfect way to put it it, um, for the pain and confusion. And, and, And when you go through that and you don't have something solid and tangible to either read or listen to, it can be, I mean, it's already heartbreaking. I had... Um, I've seen a counselor after one breakup, and he gave me some statistics, you know, that it would take, you know, you're going to feel it, it's going to take 30 days from these statistics and whatever he was reading for. Yeah, and I thought, oh, but I like that you're looking at
2: the other end of it, because that's Equally as important. You have to. Have you ever taken up a new sport? Like I tried rollerblading once because I know how to ice skate, and I assumed that I knew how to stop. You shouldn't start something till you know how to stop it. Like you shouldn't get on a pair of skis, go down the slope and not know how to stop without falling over and breaking your ne- neck. I didn't know how to stop on my rollerblades. I had to dive into some bushes. I was going so <laughs> fast. I didn't know nobody taught me how to stop. It's not like on ice skates. So if I'm going to help you get in, I should give you a good strategy to get out, and then you'll be fully uh, prepared for the entire journey, right? But um, I'm also, uh, Janice, a big proponent of short form to the point. We're Mm. all busy. If you've got a breakup or you've got a question, you can't wait till 5 o'clock on Friday with your therapist. You don't want to read 200 pages. You need what it is, how to do it, what it is, how to do it. We are so busy I mean, how many emails do you get in the morning? Okay, and that's just emails, right? So nobody has time to belabor this stuff. Tell me what to do. I know it works. Okay, I trust you. Good. Thank you, and out. I do short books, which is why I started self-publishing. You know, publishers won't let you do under 220 pages. And if you really read a lot of these books, you know they're padding. I can feel it when an author has been told by their publisher to add another 20 pages, because I can literally feel them go into, and then so-and-so said, but then I had a case over here. It's like, oh, they needed another 30 Mm -hmm. pages. Short form is fine. Tell us what we need to know. On with our lives. That's it.
1: Well, this has been very enlightening, and I I could – ask you so many more questions Um, hopefully you can be on again Susan it's been such a pleasure how can our guests get in touch with you
2: susanwinter.net and then uh, in the upper hand corner it shows you all of my social media Facebook YouTube write to me if you see something you like I'm author Susan Winter on Facebook love to have you come onto the page Janice I am so happy to hear your real life story of going through online dating and finding an adequate partner and one desirable, that gives us all hope. That is not Ab- an easy task. Absolutely, path.
1: yeah, I I couldn't help but share that, and then it's just more than adequate. And I think you know, just setting kind of your your priorities and what you're looking for, and you named it. I it didn't it doesn't. And when you get to be my age, it didn't have to do with you know they have to be six foot, although that's a, a you know. <laughs> Depends on what you're looking for. Yeah. I got lucky there yeah, too, yeah. but yeah, it, it's it's intrinsically what's their what is in their heart, what are their values, are they giving and loving, you know, and so forth and so on. But this has been such a pleasure. Please be on again.
2: You are adorable, and thank you so much for your support. I really do, and I love the clarity of your questions, and I love what you are bringing your audience. Very fine shows, because I was listening to you, too. So thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you, Susan. Have a great day.
2: Thank you, Janice. Bye-bye now.
1: Ladies, I am so happy that you tuned in today and learned from our amazing, fantastic female guests. And I hope you recognize this as an opportunity to pass their knowledge on to your daughters and friends and share the wisdom of the ages. I'll talk to you again soon. And in the meantime, let's lift each other up, spread the love, and share an attitude of gratitude.
0: You've been listening to the Tell Janice Radio Show. If you'd like to be a guest or suggest a guest for the show, Or if you would like to nominate a fabulous female for a shout-out by Janice on the live show, please visit www.telljanice.com. Please share this episode with your social network and help us lift women up. Join us next week for another episode of Tell Janice.
1: How do you help business owners think differently about their businesses?
0: Well, uh, you know, there, I think that there's a range of business owner, right? So, and I provide a couple of different services. On the on the coaching and consulting side of my business, I think that's what I truly do is, is I help to educate. I think that's the key word, educate business owners on both their opportunities as well as I open their eyes up to what they need to commit to, uh, certainly when it comes to a personal brand uh, and certainly when it comes to their own business if, if it's a smaller business right so right. you know I I educate them on their opportunities I help them to uncover and really visibly see you know who their target audience is online what their online behaviors are how to engage them in an authentic way which is not a piece of cake you know it's not like what I'm talking about steps one two and three it actually does take time effort and uh, it takes listening and that's really what social media was born on which was data mining so for business owners um, and that's why I'm launching on my on my back end of my site um, starting in October I'm launching from October through about let's say January, February six different courses all kind of crash courses all very much for smaller business owners or you know business owners that have small businesses that are growing So that's, you know, I think a small business owner versus someone that is either a mid-market decision maker or I've worked with enterprise level C-levels, and their education is much, much different. You know, they've been in the game for a while. They're probably not seeing results, and um, it's really about helping them to identify, you know, Like, for example, I've worked with many manufacturing companies who've been doing business in a great way for a really long time in an old school kind of what I call like boys network of selling, but haven't used the web. So they need to think in a different way, um, but still leverage their own business processes.
1: Can you share a little bit about yourself to our guests?
3: Sure. So once upon a time, I was a physical therapist, and I had a few bright ideas. So before I knew it, I became an entrepreneur. And over the course of time, I had three fabulous companies, and each one of them grew exponentially. So, for example, one of them was an infomercial company that sold hair products for Uh, African-Americans and Hispanics and within the first six months we sold 12 million dollars worth of product so as you can imagine that's kind of astronomical growth and what I learned was that a person who's a physical therapist without any business experience really can get into a lot of trouble so as good as those companies were I literally almost grew broke three times so I had to learn something about business at that point so that was my beginning and then for the last 15 years, I've been guiding uh, companies in growing and succeeding and working with their people, their strategy, their execution, and their cash management. So that's who I am. Oh,
1: that's that's terrific. Um, your logo says Scaling for Growth is um, a Big Five for Life enterprise. Can you tell more about the Big Five?
3: Sure. So a few years ago, when the economy was really down, I met a fellow by the name of John Strzelecki, who is an author of uh, several books. One of them is The Why Cafe, and another one is The Big Five for Life, and it's really all about knowing your purpose for existing, your own purpose, your business's purpose, and then what are the five things that you want to uh, experience or do in your life so that at the end of your life, you could say your life was a success, and that doesn't just mean money. It could be anything that you aspire to doing. And companies that instill the big five into their with their employees really attract the right people and they retain them as well because the company then acknowledges their employees as people and find out what you know, what interests them and what their Big Five would be so that they could support them. So we're a Big Five for Life enterprise now. John has been very popular in the Netherlands and Germany. In fact, his book is one of his books, The Big Five for Life, has been on the bestseller list for 116 weeks. And uh, another one of his books, uh, The Y Cafe, is also number one. So there's Big Five for Life coaches all over the world, but not in North America.